episode two, how to become a master of performing under pressure, this mini pod series that I'm doing with Natalie. I have her again here with me today. And Natalie, what are we going to talk about here in episode two? Yes. So episode two, we kind of want to shift gears a little bit. We're going to be focusing specifically on internal pressure. So Last episode, you probably heard these buzzwords a lot, and we discussed the difference between internal pressure and external pressure. And we kind of determined at the end that internal pressure is created by student athletes and is typically a result of wanting to fulfill certain expectations that you may uh, set for yourself. And although internal pressure can also have an external component, something that we talked about last episode, such of such as like wanting to perform well for family when they come to visit, even though your family might not care how you play or how well you do, that can commonly be misinterpreted as external pressure because you're associating that pressure with your family. But in reality, you're the one setting that expectation for yourself that you want to perform for your family. So it's important to be able to distinguish that as internal pressure. And something that I want to talk a lot about today, because I think in our society and in our world today, there is kind of a discrepancy when we talk about pressure and mental health and those lines kind of get blurred. And I really want to talk about the difference between internal pressure and mental health. And as I mentioned last time, kind of my closing statements, a lot of times internal pressure is associated with a negative stereotype, which we're going to try to actively break throughout the series. And is therefore associated with mental health implications. And internal pressure when handled and coped with in a healthy manner is a necessary reaction for your body and mind. Things we kind of talked about last time with your heart rate increasing, your sweating, your adrenaline's going, all the things you need to be a performer and an athlete. And when it becomes unhealthy or an obsession, internal pressure can contribute to low mental health, but that pressure that you're feeling is not the necessarily always the catalyst for those mental health moments. And I honestly have struggled with this a lot in my ac athletic and academic career. And my coaches have brought up a really great point where there's a difference between mental toughness and mental health. And a lot of times I think the words of mental health get thrown around today because I think those are easy buzzwords that we're really in tune to and today and without a doubt a lot of these mental health implications are valid and need to be supported but I think my coaches will say when we're doing a hard run and you don't know if you can finish is that damaging your mental health or is that <laughs> working on your mental toughness and that is a really interesting point that I think does really go along with these conversations that we're having around pressure. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. And when you had put it on, we're using a Google sheet, Natalie and I, to do a little bit of workshopping in between these episodes and communicate. And when you had put that on the sheet, it just immediately made sense to talk about in this episode because so much of what comes internally is mental, right? And uh, we say mental, we're not saying somebody's crazy. We're not saying it as a, a bad um, type of word or anything, but there is a distinction as you brought up between being mentally healthy and being mentally tough. And I think what's most interesting about all this is 
I don't know if you can be mentally tough if you're not already healthy from like a, a mental standpoint. Like if if you're not 100% you, that run that you talked about, as silly as an example as that might be to some people, that truly might be something difficult to overcome if you are so in your head about your physical fitness or your ability to keep up with your team, you know, things like that. And, you know, it's got me thinking when you were talking and describing a little bit about this episode, I mean, I've had on the podcast a number of mental performance coaches. And one of the biggest reasons I continue to bring them on is because if you're not taking care of yourself mentally, like you're taking care of yourself physically, you are doing yourself a disservice. And in an episode with Lauren Johnson, in an episode with Hannah Huseman, in an episode with Megan Bunning, all of these people who have worked at the collegiate level, at the professional level, we always talk about mental health should be something that isn't reactionary, right? Like you're not reacting to some type of bad scenario. You want to actively take care of your mental health in the same way that you take care of your physical health. And I can't help but think that if we have that approach, and I know it's difficult, like I struggle with it still to this day, but if we are taking the approach to making sure that our mental health is in check on a day-to-day basis, I feel like at least when we start talking about what those internal pressures are, whether it's because of family, whether it's because of whatever it is, it becomes a much easier task to tackle. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think kind of the way I'm thinking about it and the way you're describing it is you really can't have healthy internal pressure or healthy mental toughness without first having that baseline foundation of strong mental health. And something we're trying to talk about on my team, because mental health is a big reality in athletics, as you were saying, is you have to practice your mental health just like you would your physical things. So when we do those hard runs and our coaches say, all right, you have to do 10 reps. And then when it's done, they say, oh, just kidding. You have to do three more. That's just as much for our physical health and getting ourselves in a good condition and shape as it is as our mental health, being able to practice pushing yourself. When you feel like you're done, you still have to give some more in the tank and We always talk about too, like mental health struggles or like mental health struggles are just like physical injuries. So they require treatment. And I think that's something that people sometimes take for granted. Like just because you may not be in a mental, a good mental space now does not mean you can't get there with a little bit of help and treatment, as you would say, with a physical injury. So it is a really interesting topic. And I think pressure naturally comes and entails mental health in this conversation. So it's good that we're kind of hitting this point. Yeah. And I think to add to that, just because you're in a good mental state right now, doesn't mean you're always going to be in a good mental state. And that's why staying up with it, like you would with anything else, physical skill related, whatever it is, athletics and in life, that's why it's so important. And I think what's also really cool and interesting about this topic internal pressure is again what you had said earlier reframing it to it's it's not a bad thing necessarily to have internal pressure and i was literally just listening to a podcast today i was on a walk 
during lunch and I was listening to uh, Kelly O'Hara on the women's national soccer team and Katie Nolan. Uh, it was on the just women's just women's sports podcast and Katie switched roles with Kelly. Kelly's normally the host, but since they have the Olympics coming up and now you'll know how outdated this episode is when it, when it actually airs. But uh, Kelly was talking about how them losing the last time they were in the, in the Olympics has been such an internal driver, not just for her, but for that entire team. And I can't just, it can't just be her, right? Like, yeah. Okay. She's at the very top of her game. She's an Olympian, but you being a division one field hockey player, me, when I was playing baseball in college and now trying to be the best dad that I can be for my daughter, like there are these internal pressures that you feel that can drive you to find your excellence, to find your success. They're not supposed to drive you into the ground necessarily. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. Absolutely. And this is actually super funny because I was just, I'm doing field hockey training over the summer and my coach was talking to me and she was like, what makes you perform your best? Like, what can you think of right now that's going to make you give 150% during this lesson. And usually what I turn to is not when I had a great play, when my team scored an amazing goal or we won a big game, I usually turn to like that feeling of when we lost, when I knew we could have won, when I knew we could have given more because that's what drives me to do better. And I think that is a really important factor for athletes and just people in general learning how to take those negative things and use them as something that drives you. And Obviously, everyone in the world, even the Olympians, are going to have losses and things that don't go their way. But it's important to train your brain to see those as opportunities to continue to work and train even harder than you might have been even before. And last, so March, when we got sent home, we were asked to send in a song that we worked out to during quarantine when we were all alone. And (laughs) the song I submitted was the song that would play after every loss at our home field. And we would jog up and down the field and our parents would be there cheering. But that was the song that kept me going all through quarantine, all through my individual training. I was like, I never want to hear this song again in my life on that home field in front of all of our fans. So it really is about changing your mindset and taking those negative things and using that as your motivation to keep going. (laughs) You definitely have that Michael Jordan killer instinct where you're like, I'm going to take something that doesn't make sense to anyone else, but I'm going to turn it into motivation and I'm going to just crush that person or that thing or whatever it is. (laughs) Exactly. I know it doesn't always make sense. And sometimes people are like, I have no idea what you're saying. I'm like, it works for me. So, (laughs) Um, But kind of going off of that, I wrote down here, like thinking on the flip side of things, like what would happen if we didn't have any internal pressure and what would motivate us to succeed then? And we always talk about the excess of pressure and how it can be overwhelming and so much, but what happens with the opposite end of the spectrum, like with a lack of pressure and can that be just as harmful and maybe why? Yeah, I I think what you're speaking to relates to like intrinsic versus um external uh type of like when if you're in the working world and your only motivation is money there's a ton of studies out there that show that 
those type of people aren't as successful or don't go as far or aren't as happy as people who have these feelings inside and these desires to please, you know, maybe other people or help other people or give back to their community, you know, something related to that. So I think it's, again, related in the same way that you, (laughs) it's almost, it's almost like the internal pressures are the ones that if you can tackle them and you can understand how to hone them and use them for positive things, that's probably going to catapult you a little bit quicker than maybe some of those external factors, because yeah, I don't know. What are some external factors of pressure? And we'll get into this a little bit more, but you know, crowd uh, noise and things like that at games. I mean, you can't, you can't control if somebody's yelling obscenities at you, just like you can't control if nobody shows up to the game. And, you know, so both of those things can affect you in different ways, but they're both external pressures, you know, not, not saying you can't prepare for them, um, but, but they're different than what we're talking about here today. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities there. So it's not surprising to me that, again, if we tackle this and we figure out a positive way to frame it and to go forward with it, that we're, we're going to find success in whatever that, and whatever we're doing, whatever you're using this podcast series for to get better for, you're going to find success. That's I, I don't make many guarantees, but that's something that you you at least will get better by tackling these issues or these challenges. Yeah, and I think a really important internal pressure exercise because I was thinking like, what can we tell our listeners? that actually will resonate with them. Like, how can you determine what your internal pressures are? Because as I mentioned earlier, we kind of get them confused. Like I, when I was asking myself, like, what are my internal pressures? I was like wanting to perform for my family and wanting to perform for my coaches. And that's not really me. That's not me wanting to impress myself. That's me wanting to impress others. And I was laying in my bed last night and I was like, how can I phrase this in a way that makes sense to our listeners? And what I kind of concluded is if you were the only person on this earth, why would you be doing what you were doing? So if I was the only person on this earth, would I still want to be playing field hockey? Would I still want to be doing the things that I'm doing? Would I still want to be working out every day? And I can confidently say yes, because I love what I'm doing. And I know that a lot of my pressure comes from me internally and wanting to reach the expectations that I set for myself. But that is kind of a problem that a lot of athletes run into when they lose sight of their own internal pressures. Or like, if I'm not doing this for me, then what am I doing this for? You know? Yeah. And I think selfless or selfish, excuse me, is a word that has a very negative connotation to it. But there is again, power that comes with being selfish. And this is a a very distinct instance where you need to be selfish. Like there's a, uh, I'm thinking there's a Penn state football player who just retired, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, because his heart's not in it. He was a four or five star recruit and, you know, was really supposed to be a centerpiece for the incoming class that just came in this year. And he's not playing football anymore. He just, doesn't want to do it. He tried to go through some of the, the camp for the first couple of weeks and push through it. And at the end of the day, yeah, it stinks, you know, especially for the coaches and the players and everybody who put time in, but you know who it stinks more for 
it stinks probably more for that person because yeah, there's probably this, this weight lifted and saying like, okay, I'm not playing football anymore. But at the same time, you're like taking away a key identity piece, you okay. know, to, to who you are. Um, and you have to, you know, try to figure out how to move forward. But I think like to your point, what you're trying to say to people is take it in smaller bites in smaller contexts. Like uh, you can, you could do this type of exercise with anything. If it's you know your sport and you're trying to figure out like, okay, do I want to play at the next level? Ask yourself that question. Like if I was the only person on this earth, would I still want to play field hockey? If the answer is yes, then there's probably something to that. If the answer is no, well, what is that other thing? And that'll lead you toward it. And if it's, you know, even smaller thing, like if it's, uh, you know, some type of skill that you're trying to learn and you're, you're trying to figure out, like, do I have the mental toughness to go back to that phrase to learn this skill, start asking yourself those hard questions and figure out, am I going to be selfish enough to make that time commitment? Am I going to be selfish enough to pass on going to a party, you know, what, whatever the case may be. And if the answer is yes, again, pursue it. If the answer is no, you have different things to think about. If the answer is maybe that's okay too, but by asking the question, it just opens up all these different possibilities that I don't think any of us really consider because we kind of like box ourselves into, we, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. This person's doing that. Why am I not here? And we start to play like that comparison game. And you know, I think that leads to you know, some internal pressures that can be really detrimental um, when we're talking about all of this. Yeah. And going back to that Penn State story, I think that brings up a really important point where your internal pressures can change and that's totally okay. Like maybe his goal one day was I want to play college football and be a four or five star recruit because that's an expectation I have for myself. And if one day you wake up and you're like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. That's also totally okay. Where your pressure comes from and where your drive and determination comes from totally changes. And I really went through that kind of with my recruiting process. My high school was super competitive. And I at first was like, I'm going D1 and nothing less. That was kind of my mindset. And I was like, well, why am I thinking like that? And is that because I want D1 or is that because everyone else around me is going D1 and I feel that external pressure. And I had that really honest conversation with myself and I determined like, no, D3 could actually be great too. And I started to explore those D3 options because internally I thought that could be a really good fit for me. And it just so happens that I ended up finding a school that had everything I want, including division one, but it is really important to have those conversations with yourself and recognize it's okay to change how you're feeling about these things. And it's not the end of the world. If you feel hockey has been your life for 10 years and one day you're like, I hate this sport. Like I don't want to do this anymore. That is more than okay. And something that I think we all need to give ourselves a little bit more grace with and kindness is we go through ebbs and flows as human beings and that's natural. Yeah. I often tell people that life is not politics. You should not be held to something that you said three or four years ago and don't have the opportunity to evolve your beliefs because you're flip-flopping and things like that. You life, life should be treated much differently than we treat politicians and the way they think about their policies. And you know, what's really interesting though, is then it, you know, I'm, I'm, 
getting curious again about the mental toughness piece because I'm like, all right, we're saying it's okay to have a change of heart, right? And we're saying it's okay to let go of things and to give grace. And and yes, I mean, these, these are all part of being healthy when it comes to mental standpoint. I'm wondering, you know, where the line is, right? Like how, how do you determine what the line is on an individual basis where you can be healthy mentally and still push yourself from a mental toughness standpoint? Cause then, you know, I start to think I'm, you know, I've been in the corporate world now for, 10 plus years and you start to think about like the workaholics that you know in your life and how they are obviously very mentally tough right. uh, but they are not mentally healthy for the most part <laughs> uh, with with some exceptions uh, but you know for the most part those people who are putting in the 60 70 hours a, a week it's like why 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 are you doing that why are you killing yourself right. over over work, like work is always going to be there. And, and right. so I, I wonder, you know, when we're talking about pushing, yeah, I think about that scene from Miracle where they, they lose that one uh, preliminary game and gets him on the ice after the game. And he's like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna do whatever they call sprints on the ice back and forth until one of you gets it in terms of what he was trying to do from the, from the team concept and the assistant coaches the whole time are like, we're going to kill these guys. And the head coach is like, no, not only do I want them to be mentally tough, but I want them to buy into this team concept. They are playing for the United States of America and and everything. So I don't know. They're they're just, there's gotta be a line, but again, how, how do we go about determining what that line is? Right. And when is that change of heart because you're not passionate about it anymore versus it just got too hard to pursue. Like, yeah, yeah. Another thing that you really need to think about is you could have that change of heart. And I honestly did. I did have that change of heart where I kind of said, you know what, D3 could also be a really good fit for me. But then I worried, will other people know that that was a change of heart of mine? No, because I'm not walking around the world saying, I had a change of heart. D3 is awesome too. D3 <laughs> lives matter. I was... I really like, I was worried about how that would look to others. And would people be like, oh, she just wasn't good enough to go D1 or she didn't get enough attention from D1 coaches. And that's something that's really hard and something I really struggle with still is just being able to be present in your own space and your own mind, and not worry about the judgment that you're going to receive from others. Because whether I went D1 or D3, I probably face judgment either way for different yeah. things. So yeah. it's just... It's all a toss up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you're, you're essentially saying that by taking care of your internal pressures and by taking care of your mental health, you were able to deflect some of those external pressures Absolutely. that came either way is what you're saying. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And I have been, I've started meditating this summer, which I've never done before. I was feeling very, I don't know. I'm, I've been into really this personal growth moment this summer and I was like you know what people rave about it I just want to see what all the hype's about and at first I like sat there and I was either like falling asleep because I was exhausted or my mind was just wandering I was thinking about what I was going to eat for dessert after dinner like at first it was just a nightmare but I was like all right I gotta figure it out like other people can do it there's got to be something to this and Ultimately, I listen to these little things. I have an app, it's called Shine. Basically, it just gives you a daily kind of prompt to focus on. And eventually, I 
found the middle ground where I didn't necessarily listen to the prompt and what they were telling me to do, but instead I used it as 10 minutes to have a very honest conversation with myself. And those conversations kind of (laughs) suck sometimes. (laughs) Like looking at yourself and being alone and just your eyes are closed and it's just you and saying, why am I like this? Why do I do these things a certain way? Why do I sometimes not make the right decisions or what is this internal pressure that I'm feeling that doesn't exist anywhere else except for my head. And that has been a really valuable resource for me. Just taking those 10 minutes every day to have those conversations, however happy or sad or crappy or great they may be just having those couple of minutes to actually dedicate time to checking in with yourself and check your pulse. Like, how are you doing? Because when people ask, I'm always like, I'm great, thanks. But really, how are you doing? And that's sure. a really important tool to be able to determine what your pressures are and where they come from. Yeah, I love I love the story. And I appreciate you sharing it, especially mentioning, I tell people all the time, we need to audit ourselves. Like we, <laughs> we have to audit ourselves. But um, I like how you gave us some actionable item to do even gave us an app that we can check out and we could throw that in the show notes people check it out really easily and I think it's just it's so funny that yeah, everything that you talked about there it's it's like what Tom Petty wrote and saying he's like most of the things I worry about never happen anyway and so why why do we do this to ourselves <laughs> I know you put yourself through it twice that's the quote I always live by worrying just put you through it twice <laughs> Uh, so true. I know. It's it's a struggle. Kind of changing gears here a little bit. So to kind of talk through what internal pressure kind of looks like from different student athletes, we spoke with four du- different student athletes from different schools, divisions, conferences, sports. We want to make sure that we were kind of getting some equal representation. And we asked them about the pressure they feel internally and where that pressure comes from. So We spoke with Jessie of Chapman Women's Volleyball, Morgan, she's a goalie at Belmont Abbey for women's soccer. Cameron, he plays baseball at Earlham College and Colin who plays men's lacrosse at Oberlin. And we asked them five main questions. And the first question we asked was, where does your pressure come from inside and outside your sport? Where is it coming from? Kind of the question that I tackled last episode for myself and Jesse had a really great response. From inside my sport, you know, being team captain of my volleyball team here at Chapman University, there's just a lot of profession, a lot of pressure to perform for my teammates. Um, and with that, taking the year off volleyball because of COVID and because of quarantining, I feel like I have a lot to prove going into this next year, especially because I'll be a senior and it's my last time playing volleyball. And getting the opportunity to play my last two years, I feel like there's a lot of things that my teammates and my coaches expect from me, and I don't want to let them down this fall. Another thing with that is Chapman University is a D3 school, and a lot of non-athletes think there's no point in playing college athletics if you're not going D1 or planning on going pro afterwards. Um, And I feel like there's just a lot of pressure to prove to them that there's so much more to college athletics than D1 and scholarships. Like, all D3 athletes, especially the ones at my school, we're here because we love the game. And it's so much more than the money that schools pay you. And so I think a lot of people don't understand that if they're not in the collegiate athletic realm. And so I feel like with my 
platform, I guess, I can prove to people that I'm here because I love this sport, not because someone's paying me to do it. And then outside of my sport, there's a lot of pressure just to do well academically as a college student um, that also can have a direct impact on my athletic performance. And then just the pressure to meet society's bodies, expectations and standards that they've placed on young women and girls. And being an athlete means that we're just going to be built differently. And that's something that deters a lot of girls and women from playing sports and proving to them that it's okay to have a, have a different body than what is portrayed in our media, I think is something that can affect a lot of people's performance and mental health when it comes to athletics. And so that does have some impact on like how I perform as an athlete. Uh, something that I really loved about Jesse's response is that, so she's a team captain and she feels a lot of pressure to perform for her teammates. And with the year being taken off from COVID last year and something that we honestly should probably look into is how has that pressure level changed ever since COVID kind of came into play? Cause she brought up saying with the year being off from volleyball, she feels this pressure that she needs to come back bigger and better than ever because she had a whole year to train where in a normal season, you wouldn't have that necessary time. And she plays um, Chapman is D three. And she was saying how non-athletes think that anything besides D one is a waste of time. And there's this pressure to prove that there is so much more to college athletics than just D one and a scholarship. So she's almost kind of taking on this internal pressure of representing all division three sports and athletics and proving her place in kind of the athletic world. And I really loved her response and how honest it was. And I think it is really important to think like, okay, this is what my, my pressure means for me and my team and my school, but how can my pressure that I'm putting on myself also have implications on my conference or my state and other schools in the state or other sports or just volleyball as a whole. And those things seem out of touch, but really like what you're doing makes a difference in terms of the bigger community of sports. And then we heard from Morgan. On the flip side, if you buckle under that pressure or you don't get the results you want in that pressure situation, it can do a lot of damage to your confidence. Uh, it can make you doubt your skill, your ability. It can make you doubt achieving your future goals as well. She was wonderful and she just kind of talked about how her pressure really does come from herself mostly and the expectations she's setting for herself. And Cameron also said similar things about pressure coming from expectations. So where does pressure come from? Uh, for me, my pressure personally comes from expectations I put on myself um, in life and in sports. I have extremely high standards and anything that I do that falls short of those standards, uh, I tend to consider a failure. So in many ways, I, I'm a perfectionist, which in sports, that's an extremely hard thing to do, um, let alone in life. Um, so when I look at pressure that I faced as an athlete in baseball, I always thought of there being, you know, three types um, of pressure that I faced. Uh, so the pressure of the situation, the pressure of my own expectations, and then the pressure of my coach's expectations. Um, so for me, the pressure of my own expectations was really the biggest um, due to my background. So I come from a sports family where my mom played Division One basketball at the University of Cincinnati. She's a Hall of Famer at her high school, holds you know so many records, all-time point scorer, those sorts of things. Um, my brother played Division Three volleyball. 
is a multi you use on multiple college conference teams in high school he was you know all state you know holds records for that as well and then for me i went from a division two school um to a d3 school so in some ways i felt like i always had performed better because of what others in my family had done um and i didn't you know kind of want to be a letdown to them but also because i knew i had the ability to perform at a higher level um, because of being at a division that was previously higher and Colin did as well. In terms of pressure, I would say that pressure comes from, at least for me, an innate ability to want to do well and be the best that I can be. And inside a, a sport like lacrosse, the pressure of, especially as an athlete, of it being a team sport, and if you're not pulling your weight, it's going to hurt other people. So there's always that pressure to just put that's put on naturally, but there's also pressure from teammates, friends to want to be part of a culture or something that at times you might not always agree, always agree with or always want to be live up to. And I think outside of sport, it's just that pressure is something that's you can apply that gets applied to yourself mentally. Yeah, it comes from other can come from other people, but. I think it more comes, at least for me, from myself. I know I apply a lot more pressure on myself, especially when it comes to things like academics, than and I put to do well because I want to be the best, and it can be a tool for motivation. But sometimes it's just really hard to hard to not feel the weight of and stress of everything that you have going on. And so I think that's where pressure comes from. It's just a way of, it can be whatever you spin it as, but it's stress, it's motivation, it's a combination of a lot of other things, even impacts on mental health. But like, I think pressure is whatever you make of it and how, whatever you make of it and how you deal with that determines whether or not you're going to be successful. And I really think that that is a really important thing to focus on how we always talked about expectations going hand in hand with pressure and how your expectations can create your pressure and if those expectations are healthy and within reach or if sometimes they can just drag you down so I really appreciate all the honesty from these athletes and kind of taking that look internally to determine where your pressure does come from the second question we asked them was, how does the pressure affect your ability to function in your daily life and then perform in your sport? And they all said kind of different answers. Being an athlete is like a really big part of my identity. And with that comes a lot of pressure, as I was saying, to do well in all of my classes and look and act a, cer look and act a certain way. But that constant pressure helps hold me accountable, which is always a good thing. Um, throughout my college career, I've learned a Learn to accept that pressure isn't always a bad thing, but it's what we do, not only in those situations, but how to prepare ourselves for them to help us perform at our best. Being a collegiate athlete, I've taken a lot of time to really listen to my body and take my health and wellness more seriously, especially over COVID. And through that change, I have seen a significant impact in how I do respond to pressure situations. And I'm looking, I'm actually really excited to see how I'll start performing in the fall with this new season coming up. Daily, I would say that pressure doesn't affect me that much. Like, if I'm going into a test or I have a game, obviously there's the pressure to do to get a good grade or the pressure to win. 
um, especially if it's a final exam or a playoff game or something like that. But I think if you learn to just accept that pressure is always going to be there and the internal aspects of it, then it's not never really going to be all that harmful. It's something that you're just going to have to learn. People just have to learn to live with. And I think it's something that as student athletes, we learn to live with on a daily basis. And, you know, it's hard to get up sometimes at early in the morning or not get back to late at night and still have homework to do, but you got to do it. And there's pressure, there's pressure to be successful in one area, like off the field. And so you can keep, be able to keep your, be a member of a team and, and do everything that you want to do and be successful in all the ways that you want to be successful. I think of it as having two completely different pressures. There's the pressure of daily life for me, um, which was about, you know, making my parents proud off the field, finding a good job, taking care of my schoolwork, being a good person, following my faith, you know, keeping to the things that I value and that they brought me up to value. Um, so those sorts of things. Um, and for me, they never really carried over into baseball and in sports because for me, baseball has and always was my release. Um, whatever was bothering me before the day went away when I was on the field. So pressure unrelated to baseball never affected my performance. Um, it was that you know space where I could just forget everything that was happening in my day and go have fun, be with friends, and compete, and just really let loose and let steam off. Um, so what I will say, though, is that the pressure I would put on myself from baseball, and if I had a bad practice or a bad game, that would actually impact my daily life. Um, and that's not to say I didn't function at, you know, my normal capacity or get my schoolwork done or, you know, kind of lose out on who I was. But uh, more or less, I would be, you know, kind of in a bad and mood for an hour or two or maybe I wasn't you know as motivated to start on my schoolwork or I kind of just wanted to be alone for a little bit and kind of take account of what I did and you know learn from those things but it did impact in that way kind of my my daily life um, but when I look back on it now that I'm no longer playing it's strange to kind of see how much I would let a bad day on the field impact me off of it but if I had, you know, a bad day off the field, that could be wiped away by an average day on it. I think the main overarching point is pressure does have this negative connotation still. And a lot of people, when they're asked how pressure affects your ability to function, they see, they immediately go to the negative and they think pressure impacts me by kind of dragging me down or if I'm not performing in these pressure situations, it impacts my confidence. And something that I challenge people to do is when you see that word pressure, your mind isn't automatically going to the negative. We did have some people say, you know, pressure is what gets me through those practices. I need that adrenaline and I need my heart pumping just for the physical aspect. But when we are talking about internal pressure and the mental piece, we want to kind of spin it in a positive light as much as we can. The third question we asked was, do you prefer pressure situations or non-pressure situations? And we kind of had a mix of responses. It's funny because I really don't have a preference um, of pressure and non-pressure situations. I was a catcher, um, so for me, I was involved in every play, whether I wanted to be there or not. Um, but that was something that, you know, when you're a kid and picking positions, baseball can be very boring. Um, 
if you're somebody who likes action, um, and that was me, and I, I always said I wanted to be involved in every single play, so catching was perfect for me. Um, but, I mean, and that that came with the position. Um, and along with that, though, I was, I was always confident that I was going to make any and every play that came my way in those big situations behind the plate, you know, whether it's blocking a ball or throwing somebody out or just kind of making the right call. I trusted myself and knew that I had the tools and the ability to, you know, perform well in those situations. So for me, having the confidence and the ability really didn't impact uh, whether or not I cared on the situation. I, I just wanted to be out there and I wanted to be involved. Um, but as a hitter, I will say, I always wanted to be, you know, the guy who wins the game or gets a clutchly hit. I mean, every baseball player, I feel like you grow up playing wiffle ball in the backyard, you know, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth in the World Series. And, you know, you, you see yourself in that situation, get that home run or a big hit, you know, to win the game, the, the walk-off feeling. Um, and in baseball, you know, in college baseball, sometimes you come through and others you don't. Um, and that can be a tough pill to swallow. But that's the reality of life, I think. And for me, I never shied away from those situations. Um, and I'll say early in my career, um, definitely you can get a little bit more nervous being that young guy, being in those situations. But as I got older, and especially my senior year, I, I definitely found myself wanting to be in the middle of them, um, wanting to be, you know, getting that at bad in the ninth inning of a conference tournament game. You know, where it's a tie game, and I found myself in that in that situation, and you know, I didn't I didn't you know get a hit, but I had a good at bat, and you know, I was ultimately happy, but we, we won the game, and it just you know I, I didn't shy away from that situation, and I really felt myself wanting to be there. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is kind of just you know when you look at do you prefer it or not, I think it's more do you shy away from it or not. Um, that's kind of my perspective. I don't necessarily prefer pressure situations, but I do know that from past experiences that they bring out the best in me. I have gone into many a final exam knowing exactly what grade I need to get to achieve on the test to achieve the grade I wanted for the semester. And so there's pressure there of knowing you need a certain score, but it's also helpful and you're not wondering after afterwards because you know if you you can tell if you did well or not and so the pressure can be a helpful tool but it also forces you in a sports situation to step up and pressure is there constantly and sometimes a non-pressure situation can turn into a pressure situation like in my team this year there was a situation where I'm a person in lacrosse who I play defense um, a situation forced me to step up in a game this year and play goalie. No one was putting pressure on me because of the impossible odds of the scenario and like the just craziness of COVID. But I felt pressure myself because it was senior night for our seniors and I wanted to get them a win. And I feel like that pressure that I applied to myself allowed me to step up and do what I needed to do and help my team win that game, which we ultimately did, and allowed me to just fight through the moments where I was feeling like I was letting everybody down and learn that the weight doesn't entirely rest on me 
and it was one of those moments where I realized like I put a lot of pressure on my, more pressure on myself than other people put on me where I think other people are putting on me and sometimes I respond well to it and sometimes I don't but I think I'm better off living with the pressure than trying to just ignore it because if you ignore it it's just going to continue to build up until you can't do anything about it anymore and then it's going to reach a point where it just explodes and you break down. For pressure situations or non-pressure situations, in the beginning of my collegiate career, I really wanted to avoid pressure situations at all costs. Being a freshman that started and played on my school's team, there came a lot of pressure to do well. And I was playing, I was getting the opportunity to play and I didn't want to let anyone down. Didn't want to let my teammates down, didn't want to let my coaches down, didn't want to let my family down. And so if I could avoid those tight situations where I had the potential to make a mistake, like that was something I wanted to avoid. But throughout my college career, I've become a lot more confident in my own abilities. And so I don't mind them as much, but it's still something that I don't like. Ultimately, as athletes, I think you really aren't given much of a choice whether or not you prefer pressure or non-pressure situations. I think obviously when you're doing your mundane daily tasks, if you want to set a timer for yourself because I'm kind of a freak, you can, but if you don't like performing under that pressure, then there's no obligation to do so. But I think whether you prefer pressure situations or non-pressure situations, being able to cope with both effectively is really important to being a great athlete, human, sister, daughter, whatever it may be. The fourth question we asked was, what are some of the helpful sorry, aspects of pressure? And some of them brought up the physical aspects of pressure. And a lot of them also brought up the mental aspects of pressure. But like as an athlete, a lot of the times that you do remember are those tight, high pressure games. But when you do think back to a lot of the situations, you remember like the mistakes that you made or the things that you did wrong that hurt your chances of winning the game. And it's taken me a really long time and I'm still working on it going into my senior season to recognize that these mistakes are just learning moments. Um, And it's what I can do in the next game in that next tight, high pressure situation. So I don't make these mistakes or I can get better and become a better athlete for my teammates and for myself and for my coaches. It pushes an athlete, an athlete to their limits and it forces them to do whatever it takes to help their teammates succeed and help win the game and all that stuff. Pressure is a tremendous teacher. I think that you can learn a ton about yourself and what you're capable of doing when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, And we had a saying on our team this year that was get comfortable being uncomfortable. And basically what it meant was practice the things that make you uncomfortable and practice the pressure situations and be held accountable for not performing well in them during practice. Um, And, you know, get used to having some sort of pressure on yourself because the more you do practice it, the less the pressure will affect you when it comes to the game um, and when it comes to, you know, the time that it counts. And I think that's true in life too, though. When you put yourself in uncomfortable positions, which are often full of pressure, I think you'll find yourself doing, you know, one of two things, either one, crawling up into a ball and shying away from it, or two, digging deep and finding something else inside of yourself that you otherwise didn't know was in there. Um, And now that's not to say that 
when you decide to dig deep and test yourself in that situation that that you're going to be successful but you will have that experience then and if you did fail in that experience now you can take those lessons from it and use them when that situation presents itself again um and we had another saying that was you know losses are lessons um and they kind of follows that philosophy of you know we didn't take a loss as a loss really we took it more as okay what did we do wrong how can we fix it you know and we learned the lessons from that day um that way you know when that situation rolls around again and you have that same pressure on you you know how to perform and you know what to do right this time and to me that is really the beauty of pressure like if you let it build up it can affect your mental health it can stretch you out it can cause you to lose sleep but if you just accept it it's it just becomes part of life and it becomes helpful it becomes a motive it's a motivator it's a tool to help you to help you in, in every situation because there's never going to be anything that's easy and there's never going to be anything especially as an athlete that comes there's no game where there's not pressure on you to do well or you're not even if it's a game you're supposed to win you're or a game that or an exhibition game that doesn't matter you still internally want to do well and you're going to put that pressure on yourself whether you're the whether you're this guy who's the leading point scorer or you're the guy sitting on the bottom of the bench you're going to be putting pressure feeling pressure no matter what like there have been games where i knew i was never going to play and i felt butterflies before my before the game and I've even gotten sick to my stomach before the game and, and vomited and vomited in a trash can in the locker room and then gone out and pretended like it didn't happen because that's what I needed to do. I really think that the helpful aspects of pressure are something that we're obviously trying to expand and grow. But what I keep coming back to and what I keep hearing from athletes when I ask them this question is the physical piece. Um, that kind of gets you through all of this, but how can we start to look at pressure as being helpful on the mental side and the internal side as well? And then the fifth and final question we asked them was what are some of the harmful aspects of pressure? And they all had very different responses. Pressure constantly has you comparing yourself and your performance to other teammates, other pro athletes, other division two or division one athletes. And these constant comparisons, instead of being seen in a negative light, should be like a driving force to motivate you to do better. And I think it's really hard for a lot of people to see that. And it was really hard for me to recognize that. And I'm starting and I'm slowly recognizing that the mistakes that I do make are just learning experiences. And it's how we learn from all these pressure situations to move forward. And I'm no master and I haven't even mastered my own ability to perform under pressure. but I think it's a slow journey and I think it's something that we can all work on. And Pressure is just what you make of it. It can be helpful, it can be harmful, but the biggest thing I would say is just to learn to internalize it, accept that it's going to be there and, deal, and when it's becoming too much, talk to somebody. Be aware that don't try and fight through it alone. Find people around you because of the change chances are especially in a team sport everybody else is feeling something similar to what you're feeling and talking about it's going to make you feel a lot better so don't try and ever go through it go through it alone because you're, you're not and the aspect of pressure that is probably the hardest is you, you know pressure can make you feel as an athlete make you feel like you're being weak 
if you're giving into it or if it, you think it's becoming too much for you, but it's overcoming this quote-unquote weakness that in the end will make you much stronger and make you much happier in life if you learn to cope with it and you learn to deal with it. But it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. This is kind of a, a more loaded question, I think. And obviously you can do a lot of things physically, but mentally I think more than anything. Um, and as helpful and great of a, of a teacher that pressure can be, and I kind of, you know, touched on that, it can be equally devastating to a person's mentality and to, and to your mental health. Um, I know there's been moments in my life where the pressure got so big that I'd, you know, have a nervous breakdown or just finally break from the anxiety that would build up. Um, and that, you know, comes in school and relationships and also sports. Um, but I remember, you know, this past year, uh, I was, you know, going through a lot, um, but I was also coming back from hand surgery. Um, and I had all this pressure that I put on myself to get back as quick as possible because it was my senior year. Um, and, you know, the year prior, we just got taken from us because of COVID. And I was finally back. I was getting, you know, my first live at bat since I broke it and had surgery. So this was about, you know, four or five months in between. Um, so I was, you know, super excited before practice, knew I was getting it. Um, but, I, you know, I, I was a little scared, had a little doubt, you know, what if, you know, that kind of thought ripples through your head. But I was, you know, ready to go and just had all these really high expectations of myself and how it should feel. Um, so, you know, get in the box, do my thing, take two good swings, um, you know, foul one straight back. So I'm like, okay, I'm on it. Uh, next pitch, third swing, felt like an enormous amount of pain that just ripped right through my hand. Felt exactly the same as the one I had on the swing that broke my hand. Um, and it just instantly locked me up mentally. Um, and, you know, I, I took that swing. I literally could not even ball my hand to a fist or really even grip my bat. So um, I, I ended up finishing my bat, finished practice about 30 minutes later. Um, so I got through it, but I, I went back to my room, and I just remember closing my door and just breaking down. Um, I called my parents crying, you know, telling them I was going to quit. I couldn't do this anymore. And I, I remember saying to them, I was, you know, balling, saying, you know, what's the point of me even being out here if I can't swing this far out of surgery? I was, I want to say, probably 12, I was at like 12 or 13 weeks post-surgery. And it was supposed to be full go, no pain, nothing at four to 12 weeks. Um, but little did I know and that my parents knew until I started talking to other people who had had the same surgery that I was pretty much at the exact point that I should be in. Um, it was really normal, actually, because the doctors would tell you four to 12 weeks. And if you're a baseball player, you can't even, you know, really pick up a bat until that 12 week, 12 week mark. Um but the point is that, you know, I'd had all this pressure and expectations on myself to be 100% ready to go because I was already past that that uh, that point the doctors gave me. Um, and, you know, I was, I was in this mindset that I should feel no pain at all and all these other things, and that wasn't even close to being true. Um, so I let the pressure of getting back onto the field and, you know, getting to work with my teammates and securing my spot take the center stage of my focus i wasn't you know focused on the other things i was focused on getting back i'd spent you know it seemed like every hour that i was free in the in the training room you know rehabbing you know lifting weights because i had i wasn't able to because of surgery um prior i wasn't able to do anything with my you know whole right arm 
because I had surgery on my right hand. Um, and so when it didn't happen and I had that pain again and it was like, okay, now we're back to square one. It just, the pressure that I put on myself just absolutely crushed me. And I think that's the thing with pressure and why it's so mentally taxing and so harmful is that if you do give it the power to impact you that much by placing so much of it on yourself with these unrealistic expectations, it will crush you at some point, at some point, one way or another. And you really don't know when it's going to happen um, until, you know, you do break. But ultimately, they talked about those things that we kind of discussed in the episode, how it impacts your mental health, kind of blurring those lines between mental health and pressure and distinguishing when pressure can be good for your confidence, when it can be harmful for your confidence. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of them, when they talked about the harmful aspects of pressure, they talked about when they do not perform under pressure. So if you perform great under pressure, you see pressure as being helpful. If you kind of crumble under pressure, that's where you start to focus and harp on the harmful aspects of pressure. And that's hard to break because I think some people, as much as you can train yourself to be a master of performing under pressure, some people are better at it and some people are not. And at the end of the day, I think there is kind of a scale and degrees of how well you can become a master. I think Master does not look the same for everyone. And this is something we'll definitely talk about. But for someone, master might mean just showing up and putting on a brave face. And master for someone else could mean hitting a buzzer beater in the last three seconds of the game. So I think that's another really important piece that we do need to talk about, obviously, eventually, and maybe a little bit now, like being okay with everyone's master of performing under pressure looking very differently. You're right. This is a topic that needs to be addressed and it's something we could talk about right now because I think what you're saying ultimately is that if you are a master of of pressure, Natalie, your situation is completely different than mine and I can be a master as well. So just right there alone, no two people are the same, no two situations are the same the way that we're mastering the pressures that come with being a student athlete, division one field hockey player, being a dad, a business owner, a full-time worker, the pressures that are associated with those things are completely different. Yet what we can do is take a lot of what we talked about today and those practical ways to go about getting mentally healthier, getting mentally tougher. We can use those processes and those practices to make sure that we can be the best versions of ourselves. Cause that's ultimately what master comes to me, I guess, is just being the best version of yourself and showing up in the way that you need to, you know, for some people that's just going to be to get through the day to day for other people. It's really going to be elevated. You know, hopefully we're not having <laughs> as many people, you know, doing the, the complete opposite of that and, you know, ending up in really bad situations. But, um, You know, I think that is ultimately where my mind goes with all of this is to say that, yeah, there's there's a certain definition for master, but the variations can matter based on, you know, who you are, what your situation is and how you're going to apply everything that we've talked about today and that we've heard also from these other student athletes who provided really great feedback as well. Yes. 
Absolutely. And something that Jesse touched on that I just kind of want to highlight is she said that being an athlete is a big part of my identity. And mm -hmm. I love that line because I think that is something that like you as a dad, being a dad is probably your identity. And me as an athlete, like being a student athlete is my identity, but your identity will change. And I think if you associate your pressure points with being what makes you, you, I don't know if that's the healthiest way to approach it because I do think that outside of the things that we're trying to achieve and outside of the roles that we hold for ourselves, we are more than that. I'm more than a student athlete. You are more than a dad. We are more than just one role we're trying to force ourselves into. So it's also important while we're having these conversations, you can be a master of that one identity, but there's still a billion other identities that you hold <laughs> that are just as important. Yeah, and it's possible given that that you could be a master in one area of your life and not quite so much in another area. And again, that's okay. But let's, let's remember these practices from today. And if you are looking to even out the score a little bit in all these different areas of your life, start to use those to help build some healthier habits that mentally and internally will help you become masters of performing under pressure in whatever area it is so yeah i think that's that's a <laughs> that's an amazing point that probably was even overlooked by me but can get overlooked by a lot of people so it's it, i think it's great that we're addressing that um so early in the conversation right and i worked with next play two summers ago which is basically an internship i had and what they do is they tackle athletes when they graduate college they're no longer an athlete and they kind of have that identity crisis and they're like okay well what am i putting pressure on myself to do now who am i anymore like i'm not going to practice every day i don't have physical goals that i'm trying to achieve in the same way and i don't have a team or teammates and that can be really hard and i think eventually we're going to hear from some former athletes on here as well about their struggles with pressure but how that changes and depending on what stage of life you may be in. Because I've been an athlete since I was five. And in 2023, I will no longer be an athlete anymore. I don't anticipate going to the Olympics or anything like that. So <laughs> I think it is really interesting too, how just the natural cycles that you go through in your life, your pressure changes, your identity changes, and kind of coping with that. Because at some point, it probably will feel like a loss because that was how I identified for so many years of my life. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about the time that we live in is because sports are such a public place for people to see and, and to learn from. And because those athletes for the most part are making pretty good money, yeah. we're starting to see a huge difference in athletes when they retire and what they do with their life after sport than what you used to see with athletes. Yeah, I can think of Jimmy Fox as a Hall of Fame baseball player. And one of the biggest reasons that, and this seems you know so crazy to think about now, um, but they didn't have a union in Major League Baseball, a working union until the, the 1960s. And one of the, one of the biggest reasons that people started to really push for it 
is because Jimmy Fox, a Hall of Fame baseball player, was penniless in retirement and couldn't do anything, didn't have any other skills, didn't, you know, didn't, didn't know what to do uh, with, with his life. And, you know, so I think it's, it's really cool to see athletes, you know, whether it's a LeBron James or a Sue Bird or whoever it is, and you see them getting toward, you know, maybe the end of their careers and they're already doing these different ventures to set them up for the next stages in their life because they realize that that key word there, right? Life is much longer than whatever your main identity may be right now. Like I'm, I'm always going to be a dad. Yeah. As long as, as long as I'm still living and my daughter is still living, I, I will always be a dad for the rest of my life. However, to the extent that I am needed is going to change significantly hopefully <laughs> over the course of the next 18 years and beyond. And so I think it's cool, like I said, to see athletes kind of be those people who can be role models to say like, okay, you can, you can have that wrapped up identity and it can take you really far, but that you trust me, you are good at other things. There are other things that you can do. And, um, let's, let's help you get to those next stages and not have, not have a, a mental breakdown at age 22. Cause you don't think you can do anything else. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's honestly what I'm afraid of because I know it's coming. <laughs> I know I'm not going to play sports forever, obviously, but it is still scary to think about when the end of the road is coming and it's inevitable. Like whether I'm 22 when I stop playing or I'm 40 and I'm, but it always, it's going to happen. So it is important to think about these things and how your identity can change and the ways you can almost prepare to kind of leap from one identity to the next, if that's what's helpful to you to just go right into the next thing and find your pressures and that thing, like that's fine, just as long yeah. as you find an effective way to cope with it. But yeah. I do want to bring it back to kind of close it and talking about internal pressure. Um, so we heard from these four incredible athletes who are so willing and open to share their own experiences. And I think after listening to their responses kind of collectively, I think what I'm realizing is we really were onto something <laughs> with talking about pressure and something that I'd love to hear from the athletes, just aside from the five questions that we asked them is this is not talked about enough. And they all said to me, thank you seriously so much because I was so thankful for them and giving them our time and they were just incredible and so open and willing to share. And I was so grateful. And they said, you know what, we are just as grateful because really we are not given the platform or the space or the time to think about these things. And you may talk about it in a team meeting one day for five minutes, and then you're on to the next play that you need to study or memorize. But really, is it rare that we are taking moments to talk about pressure and the implications that it has, if it's harmful or helpful, if it's different or the same as your mental health. And I think that's something that the sports community needs to work on as a whole is continuing to give athletes these opportunities and optional opportunities. If this is something that you're not interested in, so be it. But we do need to create these spaces and these platforms where we're not only giving them the space to share, but we're listening and we're understanding and we're interpreting who they are and why they are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is something that eats at me all the time. Just the, the amount of time that 
we neglect to really get to know our athletes right. as coaches, as adults. And I, I, I was going through an edit of one of our previous podcast episodes and I labeled you as a kid. And as I was listening to it again, I was like, well, she's not technically a kid. Um, <laughs> but in comparison to the adults in the room, the coaches, there is that dynamic where the coaches, at least in my point of view, should be much more in tune with what's going on with Natalie, the person, than they are with Natalie, the athlete, and what she can do to help them advance their athletic agenda in, in whatever they want to do. And you just don't, you don't see that often. And I think you do see that in your program and it's, it's really special in that way. And I'm sure it's something that you appreciate, but the, the overall, you know, what we're learning by talking to, to other student athletes and by even talking to coaches is, you know, whether it's, they don't want to take the time or they don't think they have the time. We have to stop using time as an excuse. I, I think we, you said it best. We really need to start addressing this a little bit more. And, you know, I think that, starting by having conversations with our athletes around what are your internal pressures. I mean, just think about how much that is going to help you on the field, on the court, in the classroom, in life. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're, you're supposed to be a teacher as much as a coach. And so, um, you know, I think if, if this hopefully will, will sway or inspire some of the adults who are listening, you know, I really implore you to <laughs> stop using time as an excuse and start making that time. Um, for for your athletes because that is not only the morally most important thing to do but you will you will see you know a tremendous I think gain from that as well right and I think people make time for what they see as important I think there simply is enough hours during the day I just don't think right now it's seen as a priority and I'm so grateful and thankful that I have a coaching staff that does see that as a priority and we're on a first name basis with our coaches. They established that from day one, they're not coach, they're their first name. And that kind of helps to break down that barrier where I'm not addressing them as coach. I'm addressing them as a human being and they're doing the same back to me. And I think something that I'm really passionate about just aside from all of these conversations is at the end of the day, like it's a stick and a ball, you know, (laughs) it really is just a game. And but we have such precious opportunities and so much space and time to be able to grow these human beings who are one day going to go and do incredible things in their community, whatever that may look like. And if coaches and players can start to advocate for these important conversations and setting some time aside to have them and talk through them and actually care and listen, I think you'll see that your performances actually increase and you actually start to do better in the classroom, on the field, you're getting more sleep. Some other things are being taken care of just because you're taking the time to address who they are as human beings deep down. So I think that's a great place to end it and a great message to end on is really start to advocate for these things. And if it's something that you're not naturally passionate about, where I'm kind of I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know how I'm feeling about most things. If you struggle to be that way, I think start to look for these opportunities yourself if you're scared to advocate them for your own, like in your own program and in your own school, like talk to your teammates, talk to other people on other teams. There are platforms and spaces out there for you to become a greater human being and to improve your mental game overall. 
I love it. I hope everyone was taking notes on this episode. If not, hit that rewind, put it to two speed and listen to it again because there's a lot of good stuff in here. A lot more to come. Thank you to our athletes for providing so much great feedback and in, in their responses. And thank you again, Natalie, for taking the time. And we will see you next time. <laughs>